Suppose you're the person who likes to be prepared, but you're responsible for or know very well someone who has physical, mental, or emotional special needs. What are you going to do? That is a unique challenge. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Practical Prepping Podcast. We have a special guest with us today, and we're so excited because we love to interview folks that have some knowledge, some wisdom, some experience, and a reason to share it with you, our listeners. And so we are here to welcome our special guest, Rob Ralston. He's with PrepperPresentations.com, and he has a very unique life and story to tell. So we're going to welcome Rob to the podcast. Welcome, Rob. Yes, thank you. Glad to be here. Want to give a little bit of introduction. Rob is 56 years old. He's been married for 30 years. Uh, he and his wife have a 21-year-old nonverbal autistic child. He works for the family plumbing business, and he has been prepping for seven years. So, Rob, we are very interested in you giving us some of your story. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you go ahead. Okay. Well, I started five years ago. I was worried about what would happen. If we had, I started worrying about North Korea and EMPs. So, what would happen if if the power grid was shut down? How would I take care of my autistic child who's not going to understand to go to get a soft drink or have chicken nuggets or go to the plumbing shop where he likes to he likes to go and likes to go for rides in the country? So, none of that could happen. So, I started. At first, I was into building Faraday cages. And so then I got out of the panic stage of, of prepping and I started, so I've got, I've got a, I have a very great house that, that lives, that sits where the suburbs meet the farmland at the edge of the, at, at the edge of town. We're on propane. We don't have any restrictions. So we're far away from the panic masses, but we're close enough to town. So I started doing that. I've got water. I got four 55-gallon drums of water way before I knew about IBC totes because they were at the plumbing shop. So I just washed them out, filled them up. And then on electrical, I took, instead of trying to do your solar panel first, I ran a, a 110 electric line from the battery bank to the wood stove and the furnace and then 12 volt lights overhead and, I, and set up my battery bank before I got my solar panels. So that's what I've always been thinking about, just do what's, what can help start with. And, okay, what electric am I using? What food do I need? What medicines do I need? Start stocking a whole bunch, saving all our medicines. The first aid lady here at the, who delivers her stocks of cabinet, I was getting expired stuff. So I just started building my supplies from there. Okay. I mean, it sounds like you, you've put some thought into this, and I really want to um, commend you for having the, you know, the same kind of journey a lot of us had. Some of us got into preparedness from a panic and fear standpoint. I mean, all you have to do is listen to the news, and, and all kinds of things can start disturbing your heart. But then 
you drop back from that and you think, wait a minute, what are the what are the challenges I'm most likely to face? You know, what are the things that I know that I'm going to need to depend on me for? Too many people are depending on the government, you know, to rush in and take care of things. And that's really not an adequate picture of what can happen in a grid down situation or a storm surge, a flood, you know, that sort of thing. And it sounds like you have really, you know, you've gotten onto it, especially that water storage. Anyone who's listened to me for a long time knows that I have pushed water as the single most important element you can stockpile because you can't not, you know, you can't live without it. That's right. And what I did with water, I also started taking two liter bottles and and filling them up. And uh, I found out that the plastic milk jugs are distilled water. They don't last. But the everything else, you buy fruit juice just instead of soft drinks. And you rinse it out. They're just happy. Mm-hmm. And fill it and uh, fill them up with water. And I've got over over uh, 300 bottles of water sitting on the shelf. Fantastic. And, and the other thing to get back with with uh, with prepping, it's more about it's 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 90% Dave Ramsey and only 10% Jack Spirico or Practical Preppers mm-hmm. uh, podcast that that if you if you say let's be prepared for let's not have credit card debt, let's not let's have Let's have a thousand dollars or now two thousand dollars in the bank. Let's live. Let's not live paycheck by paycheck. Let's do hard things like cleaning out the gutters, organizing your socks. Let's do those boring things. And that. And if you do that, then you're 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 what you're doing is you're trading in your drinking at the bar friend for your prepper friend. Oh yes. Okay. You know, it's true. It It is hard sometimes to become self-disciplined, but it is a sign of maturity, you know, when you can really step back and say, listen, what is the most mature thing and the, the wisest way that I can use my time and my money when it comes to preparedness? I think that is definitely a message that's beginning to hit home. You know, I will give COVID this much credit. It opened a lot of eyes and ears when folks realized that store shelves were empty and that supply chains were broken. And that they couldn't go places and do things. And it suddenly began to become quite clear to a lot of folks out there who'd never even thought about storing enough food for tomorrow that maybe they need to start doing that. Uh-huh. That's oh, right. Yeah. And I'd like to turn the topic over at this point to, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your personal journey as much as you would like to share of how you have approached preparedness from the standpoint of a parent with a special needs uh, child. Yeah. Well, what I've done there is that one of the good things about us special needs families is we bypass the stage of I have to run off into the into the woods because of and, and abandon the shelter of my house in fear of what other people are going to do. Have a special needs child, you bypass that because you quickly realize, okay, I can't. Uh, drag my child and my wife and kids out into the middle of the of the of the woods, and so my journey is to think about just to quickly get into networking. Because what I ask new preppers to do, new parents especially children, is to actually not get into homesteading because you need to spend take your time and think about therapy with your special needs child. 
Oh, yes. And do the therapy first and, and network with your immediate neighbors and then do like you were saying in your last episode about how to get people involved. Uh, network with them and heal them out and figure out, okay, how do they operate? Do they, uh, how, how do they operate good days and bad days? And go over there and help them with the tree that comes down. Help them with projects. See how they reciprocate. And what you're doing is that you're learning what they're doing. And everybody you're exposed to, everybody you're next to is contagious. So if they're interested in the prepping stuff, they're going to pick up on it. And then you will know what those people are like. So you're going to make plans to stay in your house to take care of your child, your specialist child, for, for at least a year. you got to get through a winter. So you start thinking about you got your firewood. you got your, we already got medicine and water and power. So how much gasoline are we going to have? So you have all that stuff on, on hand. And then you evaluate your neighbor closest to you. And then you also, then you branch out to, okay, who is the homesteader? Who is the farmer? And that work, instead of trying to do all that stuff yourself, saying I have to, I have to be like Jack Spirko and have chickens and goats and a giant garden and all these race beds. And you're running around doing that. Instead of that, take the risk of networking right away with your immediate neighbors and then parents of small children, they're going to be in the same boat as you and then other farmers and homesteaders. That is a terrific message. Mark and I have often said that in our practical prepping mindset, we're like you. We, we want to develop a sense of community. And we have even met and become acquainted with uh, various folks in the different regions of our area here in North Alabama, just for exactly the same thing that you're saying. I mean, we, we kind of half-jokingly refer to it as auditioning our tribe because yeah. it's, in a sense, because you do want to find who's got the strengths, who's got the leadership skills, what skill sets are being represented, and what's the willingness factor, you know, the, the emotional content of how neighborly are our neighbors and how neighborly am I? You know, that sort of thing. So I'm glad that you have put that out there. And also the message of don't feel like you've got to bolt for the woods at the first sign of trouble because you're putting yourself in a foreign environment fraught with hazard when staying locked up in a nice tight home with a roof over your head is a much better idea. Yeah, you have to. You don't want to abandon. I keep talking about abandoning the shelter of your house. And to do that, you have to look at, you have, you also, new preppers also have to work on their immaturity when it comes to their mind, body, spirit, bank account. And they have to lay all those things on the table. And they have to think, they have to say, if I live in an apartment, I've got to save enough money because apartments are temporary housing until you save up down payment for your house. So you have to you have to still start prepping, get all your tubs ready, get ready to move, and you may have to have a little pop up trailer with all your stuff in it because you can't stay in the apartment because people will be trying to cook outdoors and an ember from a bonfire or a grill is going to go up there and catch the building on fire. So you have to to work on on that. You have to lay that on the table and get everything. And get everything together, just and not be. You have to the maturity to be able to take constructive criticism and to look at okay, what's at risk? This is scary stuff. This is my my tribe is all these people at the bar, and I've got 
shift into that. So if you if you lay all that on the table, then you'll be ready to go. Because when this event happens, everybody's going to run around scared. And what you can do is you can grab those people, those guys that are running scared, and say, come on now, here, take this shovel, take a shovel, get your shovel out, dig a hole in the ground, take all your food, and put it, put it in, in the cooler in the ground. That'll keep it cold. Now come over here. I got the grill going. Let's cook all this meat up. And so then you, you help that person get ready. And then what I think is going to happen to help the special needs children, you're going to have to make plans to create a compound around your house. And all these crazy dads that have not prepared, they're going to be looking for help. And you will quickly, they will quickly surround your house and create a compound without you telling them. Because they say, this guy's he's got power to charge my cell phone. He's got communications. They're using Oasis and this brand new stuff that I've been all of a sudden dropped into. And so that's why you, if you get out of the city and you get on the edge of the edge of town, because people in the beginning preppers, they don't understand that new, that without gasoline, nobody is going to be traveling. Mm-hmm. Right. And the bad guys that they're afraid of that have practiced doing bad things, they're, they're not, everybody's going to run out of gasoline. They're, they're going to steal cars that they think that have gasoline in it. But And, the, and then if they move, to, if, at first the bad guys are going to try to steal stuff because they think the power is going to come back on. So they're going to waste all their gas and energy of uh, doing easy pickings. Now, but if you live at the edge of the suburbs, then you're not going to, you're not going to have this problem. So that's the what new preppers have to understand that everybody is going to be stuck in place, and you're going to spend more time uh, dealing with uh, with uh, burying dead bodies than being in firefights. So that's the way to get new preppers and preppers with special needs children to get to, to, to think, to use unemotional critical thinking, and and work on what's. Okay, what's going to happen? What's likely going to happen? And what are what are new preppers trying to sell me? They're trying to sell you a course in bushcraft. You don't need that the first year, fifth year. That would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. And you've touched on a lot of interesting topics about networking and and yeah, the things that are most likely to happen. We've talked about that as well. The difference between uh, a grid down situation response in the high urban setting as opposed to the suburban slash rural setting. And I like what you said about non-emotional critical thinking. Um, I've lived through a few, I, I lived through Hurricane Hugo. I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we had a hurricane that came through Charlotte, North Carolina. It was unheard of. Until I had lived through that, I didn't know it was possible to have a 125 mile an hour winds coming through Charlotte. So I had a very emotional response to that, you know, 33 years ago, uh, because I knew it was going to be bad and it was bad. And for 10 days we were without power and water. I wasn't a prepper back then, but, uh, it certainly opened my eyes to that. And I had to start, I kind of had to have that talk with myself to get my emotions out of the way. And just sit down and face the facts. What are the facts? What needs to be done? What can I not do? What absolutely has to be done? And, you know, we've survived it. And so that's what we're trying to teach our listeners, too, is that there's a practicality 
to your preparedness. And we're especially touching on those with special needs. Now, of course, special needs, children or family members, that runs the range from, you know, a very high functioning and capable family member to someone who probably actually needs help with their mobility um, and they can't, they can't exactly articulate, you know, in words what they're thinking or feeling. I happen to know that they're, they're very routine oriented. So any disruption to that routine can be a bit of a challenge. Tell us a little bit about how you have faced that. Yes. That's what I'm worried about that, that my son is, He's, he'll he'll fuss a little bit, but he'll he'll adapt. He can adapt pretty well to changes. And we've got we've got in his medications. We've got we save all his medications, and we we've got some CBD oil and some CBG oil. We've been on the same medications at the same time. So so that's what we're doing uh, for him. And it's also when you have a child in a wheelchair, special needs family, that you have to, you're going to have to have a whole house generator. Because my power needs, as long as I've got the microwave going and a light and his uh, TV for his VCR tapes to push in and out, then then he's fine. Now, but if you have somebody that's on a breathing machine and all, and or or someone who's dependent on air conditioning, so then you have to uh, have your electrical grid needs will be different and it's also there's a big area when it comes to it's, it's also senior citizens their special needs because when you mm-hmm. think about right uh, grandma and grandpa their physical stuff their mental stuff and that's why when you're evaluating and you're auditioning uh, your neighbors and your homesteaders and your other other families that have young children then they need to come in and who's ever the dad is the if who's ever the hand holder or the kick butt. So you figure out who that is in the family. And so the mom can go out there and, and kick butt and the dad can come in and hold hands of grandpa. I mean, they can, ladies should do guard duty. If I could find some, some bulletproof vests for ladies, maybe Mark can find some because ladies are not be afraid to shoot a bad guy. You know, guys might hesitate. So they- I think, the, guys, those yeah. ladies will shoot those bad guys in a heartbeat. Well, that's why. Well, that's why the guys, all these guys that that uh, have college degrees and they've never turned a screwdriver, they need to. They're going to be in the house scrubbing poop out of the pants. They're going to be cooking. They're going to be teaching the children. They're going to set up class where they have all their their, their takeover uh, diagrams and and all their charts and graphs. And they can do that while the ladies will be out doing, uh, going on missions and doing guard, guard duty and, and patrol. And it'll be a great, it'll be a, it'll be fun times. <laughs> yeah. Now you, you address the, um, ladies ballistic vest. I was having lunch with another deputy yesterday, a female, and this very subject came up and our department actually, and most departments, issue the same vest i don't care whether you're male or female that really makes it quite uncomfortable for the females because they are built different than most of us that's right and so if there are ladies looking they are available but they're not as common 
And uh-huh. if, if you're looking at wearing it for long term, you probably ladies want one that is built for you. But don't be afraid to use a vest that's actually designed for males because all of our female deputies are wearing them eight and ten hours a day. Yeah, and that's right. In fact, I I read recently there was a statistic in just America that the largest, quickest, fastest-growing percentage of the population that is purchasing and training with firearms are women. Uh, generally between the ages of 18 and 45. And it's not that there's this bloodthirsty kill gene going on in them. It's just that women have decided that, you know, when it really comes down to it, I have to rely on me. You know, I have to take steps to protect myself and to protect the ones that I care about, the ones that I'm responsible for. And there is such a thing as a tigress element in, in a woman, when she, especially when she becomes a mother or when she knows that she's responsible for the helpless. And yeah. uh, there there's something. And, and I made that decision myself many years ago. I was an anti-gunner there for a long time. And then I had a child. And my thinking changed. It changed almost overnight because something happened to my mind. I said, I, I am what stands between her and the rest of this old evil world. You know, I'm, I am her shield, and I have to do what I can. And I, I became very much an advocate for firearms and training, and I think that's very important. I don't push that on people. If they don't choose that, that's their choice. I'm perfectly free to choose my way and accepting of those who do not choose that way. But uh, it, it does bear, you know, mentioning that, especially in a preparedness situation, when seconds count, first responders are minutes away. Right. And that's the problem that in a grid down situation, as new preppers get into it, what I, one of the things I say is the good guys and the bad guys are not coming. I touched on the bad guys are not coming. 80% of them are drug addicts and and 20% are, or 15% are the professional non-addict drug dealers, and 5% are the serial killers who are going to go from house to house stealing people that are hiding and, and taking their, their, their stuff. So so it, it, the good guys, when you've got, we're going to be burying dead bodies because people are going to come over, uh, ladies that come over, my husband died, what do I do? You have to go over there and bury that, that body. And because the and you can tell new preppers, well, you can't. New preppers will say, well, you can't do that. The coroner's got to come do that. We got to have a funeral. We got to have a procession. None of that's going to happen without electricity. There will be no diesel fuel. There'll be no for the the, the vault or digging the, the grave. You're going to have to bury all these people uh, in in your yard. And so, ladies, I think people, ladies, when it when it as they get into prepping, if the gun idea comes, if it's something they can do, it will come to them. And that's why you said you don't have to push it. Now, on my website, i got a special section for lady, lady prepper section. And I've got it. If you click on lady preppers, it brings up the main page with, with three grids of eight uh, block squares. Now, I've got each, something below there. i got like, the, i got a page for each one like uh, like the, the food storage mom and the and the survival and the lisa bedford survival mom but on the main page at the bottom is is, is security and 
terrific. I think there is a lot of interest in that, and we often do uh, we do encourage uh, ladies to just you know step across the line of their fear and realize that it may be up to them you know to to survive and to take care of the ones for whom they're responsible. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit too about going forward. If you're imagining that you are in a grid down situation in your personal life and in your community. And, and particularly with a special needs son, you know, what are some of the practical things that you're going to have to do going forward to care for him and to make sure you maintain s- as much semblance of normalcy as could possibly be allowed in a situation that's, you know, uh, uncharted? You have to, you, you think about how they're, you, you, you stay on top of therapy with them and, and what it like if it's a, uh, it's occupational therapy, speech therapy, and just stay on top, stay on top of your child, and just make your child number number one because the divorce rate with special needs family is seventy five percent. Wow! So you have to put your child first and and be focused on on them, and and then you can and as you talk with other therapists, as you. You look at your child, okay, what would happen if a pandemic, if they had to wear a mask? What would happen if we if we didn't have certain foods or if we didn't have electricity? Or, or what's going to happen if this happens in the wintertime? So you have to uh, think about all those different scenarios and just keep that in the, um, in the front of your brain and plan for them and say, okay, well, like clothing, if there's, if there's coats and stuff, you say, well, he's too big for this. He won't grow into this for years. We don't have room for it. We need to save the winter clothes for him. We need to. So you just look at your child. Uh, just stay stay focused on on them and and how they operate, and also be thinking about as they get older. That, that right now, what is, what what kind of things are they going to be interested in a few years down the road with with prepping? And as they as they get older, you can you can if they if they want like my son wants certain toys, so I've got toys stashed. I've got supplies stashed. You want to have extra items that that comfort items for them, and just have them have them in the ready. And it depends on also their like my child doesn't understand what's going on, but but talk to them about uh, a grid down situation and. With, with the younger ones that are aware, they can get into a panic about what you're saying. So you have to, you know, each each child is different and figure out uh, what can what can we explain to them? What can they, what can they grasp? And, and, and be ready. You know, as you were speaking and I was imagining going through everything that you were saying, let me ask you this question. It just came to me. What do you think of the idea of, basically rehearsing grid down situations at home with your special needs child. And what I mean by that is why not go ahead and eat outside, build a fire, rehearse certain aspects that are out of the norm, off the pattern. What do you think about that? Do you suppose that that would at least help build some sort of an element of experience so that they can see that, oh, this is different and we got through it? What do you think about that? That would That's a great idea, especially for the ones that are very rigid in, in their thinking. My child's pretty good with going with the flow. 
we could try to eat outside. That's a, that's a good idea. So yes, one thing you can do is, is it's a good way to test your preps is in the middle of winter, turn off the power to the house and see if you can survive on your preps. And this will, and doing that, that's a good test for anybody. But with your special needs child, how are they going to react to it? Low functioning or high functioning, all of a sudden, okay, generator does it, that you've got, does it have enough uh, amperage to run the microwave? How many things can you run at the same time? Right. And then, mm-hmm. and then your special needs child, they can see you getting all this stuff out. And if they're higher functioning, then they can help. If they're lower functioning, then you can just see, okay, what holes do you, do you have? Right. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's, we've often told our listeners too, to rehearse it for their own safety, for their own safety, for their own experience. You know, buying a generator doesn't mean you know how to use it. Uh, right. And the uh, same with a firearm or a Berkey water filter or, or a ferro rod or whatever gear that you've got that makes you feel like a prepared person, having the gear on the shelf doesn't make you capable and consistent. So I think rehearsing that is a terrific idea. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at some things that I might like to ask you. I noticed here you've already touched on the notion of establishing a community, you know, within your neighborhood, your community, or your surroundings with, with those that can be cooperative with you and build that kind of a tribe. But what about for a longer term situation? What do you think of the idea of establishing some kind of a commerce compound or something like that? What do you think? Yeah, that's, I think that that's, that has to be in your plan that it will, it will grow out of my, in my situation, I think the panic dads will block off the end of the streets and no one's getting close to Rob's house. And so then I, so on top of that, we'll establish a trading post and that uh, people will bring in uh, who has the, who, what skills do they have, what materials do they have, what, what do they need, what do we need. And also that is that you, and you have to know your personality. If, if, you're, if you're a, a helping person, what, what puts, like for me, I'm going to put somebody else in charge of evaluating these people because I, I will want to help everybody. I'm not going to be able to see when I'm being manipulated. So establish, establish, so have plans for that. And also think about that, that in the first few months of an East Coast power grid, that I don't think that the terrorists are going to be able to knock out the power across the whole United States. They're aiming for the East Coast power grid from the Rocky Mountains to the Atlantic Ocean. So help us on the way from Texas and the West Coast that has their own power grid. So, so establishing a, a, a mini prepper camp and at a, at a church or a school, and I'm encouraging principals and pastors to just start doing that. Have a long, uh, deep freezer and a generator that can provide uh, and have a way to run the furnace, keep the children warm, and the generator can run a deep freeze, a microwave, the coffee pot, and the furnace. So you need a, a, a medium-sized, what do you want, Josh? Soft drink? Hey, Natalie? Okay. Hold on, Josh. Get Josh soft drink. He's doing his fine soft drink. So, so, so what you do is, uh, so, you, so the the, the principal.
sake. And so we'll do that for the school children until the parents can come pick them up. And then what I want the principal and the pastor to think, okay, where, what place can we establish? Which school, grade school, high school, church, or gym, where can this mini FEMA camp be? So if, if, if two or three organizations and families have this stuff there, instead of having all these people at your house, you can establish a compound at one of these places and you can, even if they're abandoned, I mean, you can, you can take care of the place. You can break in and, and take, make a list of all anything that's broken, anything that's appropriate, take somebody who's panicking, give them a clipboard and say, you take notes here. And, and so then when the power comes back on, you will repaint the facility and you'll leave the place better than you found it. But until FEMA comes run, comes rolling up with a truck to take these people, establish a, a compound somewhere where where the, the people can sleep and just start assigning people to, okay, you push that car up here, let's find a way to get the fuel, to activate that fuel pump and pump the fuel out of that. And you just kind of evaluate, okay, who is, who is the... You know, who is the kick butt person? Who is the hand holder? And so you take that, what you're doing on your compound, and you apply it to the closest church or school to your house. So always be, once you get out of the, the, the beginning, it takes a year to get into prepping and get out of the fear of what other people are going to do. But, but your second, third year, you have to be thinking about, okay, what would we do? And then, and, and that works. Think about this. Bring this idea up to your other, to your other families, so your other people you're auditioning, your other prepper group, or your mutual assistance group. If you start one of them, okay, can we expand this? What do you guys think about that? Well, that's illegal. Well, you're living in a world without the rule of law. It bury dead bodies. We can break into a church or school that's been abandoned, and we can keep the all the stuff in the decrees at the at the school is going to go bad. Well, let's get in there and let's let's uh, take an inventory of what we use. Let's preserve that. Let's preserve those resources because we're not going to be in a panic. There's going to be young young guys running around. What do you mean the internet's going to be down for five years? Well, that's the least of their worries. But you're not worrying about that. Those people can be hardest when they. Uh, get out of shock, and you don't want those people saying, "I'm going to take all my pills and commit suicide." I don't want to do that. You have to. You have to be ready. For some of these people are going to be such a panic, they may do that. Those are valuable people. We need them. We don't want to bury any dead bodies unnecessarily. Let's let's give them some direction. Let's give them some hope. Let's let's get them through the situation. You know, a lot of what you've just described kind of reminds me of the old frontier West, you know, where groups of people came out and they were trying to establish life in an unknown territory. And they had to kind of bring their own sense of civilization into the situation in order to be able to survive. It sounds very much like that. Uh, I was thinking too, along the lines of when we're talking with you specifically about the how to be different when it comes to prepping with special needs. And I think you've touched on some of that. Uh, but just probably the most important thing is to have a plan, you know, give it some thought. I mean, you, you're, you're definitely have, you know, first, first 
person experience with, you know, your special needs child better than anyone. And you know what it takes for him to have an ordinary daily life when things are going great, you know. And so the what what do you suppose that you can impart to our listeners that what really stands out in your experience as being different prepping wise than, say, just the family without a special needs member? A regular family can, once they feel good about the FEMA camp and after it's been running for a couple of months, they can jump on. They can just jump on that truck. You have a special needs child. You have to think, okay, if we look at them, how how are they going to react to that? How do they deal with with that big of a change? Will the, if they're in a wheelchair, uh, can my child handle that? Can grandma handle that? Can they can can they adapt? So that one of the things you you have to you have to think about, and it's also that when you the other is that it depends on your strength of your child. My child is, is weighs 10 pounds more than I do. He's very strong. So when he grabs me and pulls me to the door to go for a ride, I go with him. And so you have to be, you have to be thinking about uh, when you evaluate your people to help. Who else you have to say do, do different. You're going to have to have either strong guys or or hand-holding ladies. That's getting into the stereotype there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Rob, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, tell us a little bit about how listeners can get in touch with you or your website. Uh, tell us a little bit about how they can reach out to you. Well, it's, it's PrepperPresentations.com. Or it, it's, uh, let me get it up here. Like there's a there's a dash in, in there. It's, uh, okay, here, come on. Yeah, it's prepper-presentations.com, and my email address is at, is at the bottom of that. And so it's it's a great website for, for new preppers, and I designed it for how do you want to get your information. Or Because I've got books, I've got podcasts, I've got websites, I've got YouTube channels, whether you're, you like to get your stuff visually or you like audio. And it's it's a one-stop shop. And if somebody comes here and they go to the to the survival moms uh, with lady preppers, if they go to Are You a Prepared Mama, uh, used to be food storage moms. If you go there, if a lady goes there and she never comes back to my site, my job is done because I've I've and I've listed like the food storage mom. I've got all of her. I've got some of her put in blog posts, but I've got uh, 200 of her articles. So scroll down there, find something, go to her website, go to anybody's website, and and just get into start prepping. I love Survival Moms. I am constantly researching that site and have... Uh, uh, I have actually, we've included them in many of our podcast uh, topics as well. Rob, I just want to thank you personally from the bottom of my heart for you taking your time to share with our listeners the special and unique challenges that can face a family into preparedness, but one that also has to balance the challenges to a special needs 
family member. And I know that that is going to resonate with literally thousands of people across the globe that are in a very similar situation. And maybe this will help prompt them into taking that action that they need to build that community, to build that neighborly relationship, to understand they probably need to rehearse some of these, quote, grid down situations just to give their child uh, or, or their family member, whomever it is, uh, an opportunity to live out a, a, a scenario so that if it does happen, it won't seem so foreign and untried. So, Rob, Mark, and I really thank you so much. We wish you and your family all the best, and your son, Josh. We wish you very much all the best to you, and we hope to have you on the program again sometime talk about something else. Yes. Thank you for having me. I've got ideas for shooting for future episodes, so thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Okay, folks, we appreciate you listening to the Practical Prepping Podcast, and you know what I always tell you, stuff happens, you need to stay prepared.